This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Surfshark VPN. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, March 5th, 2020, and my guest is Ryan Hager of Android Police. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Miriam? I'm awesome, actually. Um, I'm a little stuffy, so if you sound a little weird, you guys know what's happening. But um, I'm glad to have you on because you're uh, often right about Pixel stuff, and we got a big drop of features this week. So I want to dive into that, and then we've got a whole bunch of like, gaming phone stuff and a bunch of like, you know, Chinese phone awesomeness. And uh, yeah, let's let's chat. Indeed. So yeah, the. Uh... I don't know if you saw or if our uh, listeners here saw the news earlier this week, but there was a pretty big update for Google's Pixels. Uh, the Pixel feature drop, was the second Pixel feature drop landed with the March update. And uh, if you're not familiar with the idea, these Pixel drops are uh, these sort of big cumulative feature drop updates that Google's doing now. The first one was in uh, December of last year, and it took a little while to roll out. This one was much faster, and they deliver... Like a bunch of little improvements that are almost like the old uh, 0.1 incremental changes we used to see with Android, but they're just for Google's pixels. And I I have a lot more to say about uh, the incremental nature of them. But uh, in general, the the update that we got delivered um, a new bunch of new features for the Pixel 4, a new play and pause gesture for the motion sense that uses that uh, I tried it and it works. Yeah, it does. It does work. And in fact, uh, I would say that the... uh, the new gestures work a lot better than they used to. Exciting. I mean, honestly, I've never used the gestures on this because it was so broken from day one that I just gave up. Yep, exactly. I felt in exactly the same, but it's now, night and day mean difference. I'm going to start using the gestures at the same yeah. time, but at this, now I know it didn't seem to fail. Like, I think I got one miss out of 10 tries. That's much better than like one success out of 10 tries, which is what it was before. Exactly. It is It is a night and day difference. I don't understand why Google hasn't like said that they've made it better with this update, but they, they don't absolutely admit that they have. They screwed it up the first time, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be mean to them, but it's pretty obvious that something was not right. Yeah. Yeah. What else we got? Um, so Pixel 2 got live caption. That's that feature that uh, transcribes in real time. The Pixel stuff 3 got that set. a while back, right, too? It did. It did. Yeah. So Pixel 3, I think 3A, uh, Pixel 4, all the other Pixels have li- had live caption except for the Pixel 2. Now it's got it. And you know what, Ryan? I'm telling you now, uh, this is a well-informed source of mine. The Pixel 4A will have it, too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, other Pixel 4 changes. There was supposed to be an improvement with, like, the you know, the portrait mode the mm-hmm. selfie portrait yeah mode. apparently better depth uh, mapping or something exactly better depth mapping they haven't said the mechanism but i think that they're because it's pixel 4 only it's probably using some of the face unlock hardware or solely to kind of make a depth map of your face it's not really much better in my opinion but Ooh, cool. solely to do a depth map of your face maybe you maybe maybe camera Whoa, i don't know ryan what are you talking about this is insanely awesome yeah I'm, I'm guessing just because it's pixel 4 only otherwise they would have brought it to you know the other pixels if it didn't require some exclusive piece of hardware in that phone. So right. I'm assuming that it uses either the, uh, there's two infrared cameras sort of in the corners and it's either getting parallax uh, from those two different positions to determine depth data, or it could be using um, Soli. I don't know what the range of Soli actually is, but I bet it's something to do with the hardware that lives in that bezel. Cool. Well, um, I mean, that's good that we're seeing more features coming out of the Soli stuff because I feel like it, it seemed like such a gimmick until now. I mean, the gestures thing is nice, but if, the, if that's only the only thing that technology is being used for, I just feel like it's a wasted opportunity, right? Yeah, especially the way they showed it off to us the first time. Uh, I, if you remember the early demos, which were fake, they were like CG, showed a person rubbing two fingers together and with a yeah. fine, minute motion of their their fingers adjusting the volume. And this is not at that resolution or accuracy. It's like those Lincoln con- commercials, you know, what, where Matt McConaughey just goes like, like this with his fingers. Yeah, exactly. And something happens in the Lincoln. No, actually, it wasn't. He was thinking. Never mind. That, those ads are terrible. As a tangent, because I'm slightly loopy today, we're going to have weird tangents about car commercials, of course, as we know. Uh, no, I don't know. I think Soli would be great in cars, actually, for 
for gesture yeah. stuff. Yeah, it would. You know, Depending on what it controlled, I could easily imagine myself getting frustrated if I'm just turning the wheel with two hands and suddenly the, the stereo goes apeshit. Well, that's actually, uh, BMW implemented a gesture-based system in their cars a while back, and it's in our higher-end cars. And, and in the early days, that's what happened a lot. If you were like a very gesticular type of person, you know, you talked with your hands a lot while you drove. Yeah. It, it was uh, triggering stuff, but they fixed it. Eventually it works. I think there's this vision base, so it's using cameras. But um, I think, look, the reality is sensors are a good thing to have on our devices yep. as long as they don't cost too much and bring some value. And, you know, that's been the issue with the Pixel 4. I feel like this forehead seems to be excessive considering what we get out of it, right? I mean, you know, the bezels don't really bother me. I know a lot of people are... I, I do like the all-screen design, especially like the OnePlus 7 Pro. That is such a pretty phone. I mean, but, to me, you look at the Note 10 or even the Galaxy S20 series today or or like the Mate 30 Pro and you're like, this is this phone looks like the future. You put a Pixel 4 next to it and it's just like, uh... I guess. From a, from a usability standpoint, I'm not a Pixel apologist at all. I think that Google's doing more, almost more things wrong than right. But uh, I don't like display cutouts. I don't like hole punch cameras. They really bother me. No, I agree that giving a choice of having a cutout or not, I think... For the amount of stuff that they had to stick up there, it's not a bad decision. I just would have liked to be more symmetric, you know. Give me maybe a bit less bezel at the top and about the same at the bottom. Put the speaker down there instead of the side-firing speaker they have now. Yeah. And then it would look balanced, like the Pixel 2 XL looked like. I thought I thought the Pixel yeah. 2 XL looked pretty modern in its day. I think you know, some people will always complain about bezels. Screw them. Yeah. You know? I do think that that probably would have looked a little bit more pleasing to those of us. That... It's just lopsided. I'm not yeah. OCD, but it's like, come on, like, ugh. and then usually the lopsidedness, you know, the, you want the weight at the bottom visually, right? That's why the iMac works so well. Yeah. You know, the iMac's bezel central, right? Like the thing is just bezel all day long yet somehow it looks balanced. I don't know how to say it, but it does, you know. I feel like we spend more time looking at the top half of the display than the bottom half most of the time, so it yeah. is it's better if the top is prettier. Yeah, so anyway, um that's good news. What else do we got on that drop? Uh well, let me rush through it a little quick. I don't want to waste too much time. We got like Pile of emoji, bunch of emoji, which is unusual. We don't usually get emoji in a monthly update. Those are usually Wait, is that for... Google only? This is a thing I don't understand about emojis. Maybe you can tell me something because young people today might understand this better. I'm too old to understand this. Um, why are emojis not standardized across all platforms and software and hardware and OSs to the point where they all look the same everywhere? They're Unicode, aren't they? Yeah, so the the Unicode there's there's a standard that establishes this 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 set of characters, this code will correspond to an emoji that looks vaguely like this. But everyone's allowed to implement that however they want. It's not like uh... you have to use the yeah, so Apple has their own artists that make their own version of the emoji and there are a couple of emoji that uh, each camp has held on to as like we prefer our version of this. Like Apple switched to what the squirt gun early on rather than the gun and everybody else had like an actual gun for the gun emoji. Little changes like that that each company thinks, well, just like customized versions of Android, our vision is the right one. Now, I get that, and I think that's cool. The problem, though, is why is it that we're now suddenly getting more emojis? Wouldn't, aren't emojis just defined, and they exist, and everybody's got all of them? Like, wh why do we have get more? Like, I don't get that. Oh, because, I mean, just because you want to make more. Like, So the, the organization that standardizes which Unicode does which emoji has added new ones over time, and... Yep. We, I see. And so we're, we're getting these implemented in this version. But this is this an Android-wide thing now, or is this just pu purely pixel-specific then? Ah, uh, well, it is just pixel-specific for right now. And that's right. part and of my problem. And then it'll trickle down to Android. What's the next version? R? Yeah, well, will it? That's that's the issue. So this, this kind of leads into what I was hoping we'd talk about later. And that is that uh, Android's not really... Google's messing with... It is so fractioned right now, right? Fractured? Exactly. It's like, a, a, new, it's like a new I'm kind mad. of fragmentation. Yep. Yeah. I'm mad about it. Um, I want to add quickly, since we're talking Pixel, um, good news for Pixel people uh, all world, worldwide. As you know, I've been holding back to make the Pixel 4 XL, the phone I have as my, my main phone, because of the lack of uh, support for the face authentication among apps out there. And since I use a lot of them for some reason, and I'm lazy, uh, and I don't want to use a, a password manager for these biometric if I use biometric authentication on something, it's pretty mission critical for me. So um, I don't want to have to type a password and I don't want to have to rely on a password manager. So um, most of the apps I use now support it. 
So mm-hmm. there's a couple of stragglers that I'm waiting. I'm looking at you, Chase Bank. Um, and, and once that's done, I think I might finally switch. But, but by that time, it'll be time for the Pixel 5. So actually, to be honest with you, Ryan, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm super excited about the 4A. I what, what, am as well. What we've Absolutely. seen so far of it. Um, well, we've seen fairly little. I've seen. Um, I mean, the de- some... the, the design. Like I'm. I love. I love. I think it looks super nice. That you know, uniform bezel all the way around. Now I know yeah. you don't like the whole punch, but I think it's an acceptable decision in this situation. If you're referring to that new leak that was going around, I think today. Uh, that's uh, fake. no, the one that's been around for a while. I didn't. Okay. See okay. Yeah. What's today's look like? Somebody just posted a couple of uh, photos of the ostensibly photos of the phone and they're not they're not real they're uh someone was able to prove that they were shopped they're not legit so but they, they look like real life photos yeah yeah well look i think um i'm just excited because if it looks like roughly like what we saw there i i like one of the things i love about the iphone 11 um that i have as a video primarily a video recorder um I know it's excessive, but there's, my audience knows the story. And I think, Ryan, you know the story. You know a lot of us creators have iPhone 11s for video recording. Mm-hmm. Um, is other than the stupid notch, which I hate, I think that the, I love the, the evenness, even though there's quite a bit of a bit of like a, a border, a bezel, I think that I love the evenness of it all. Yeah. And I'm excited about the idea of a Pixel 4a looking like that, even though it has a hole punch, whatever. Um, because I feel that, Overall, the Pixel industrial design is sound. I particularly love what they did this year, like the orange back with the black an- an- anodized matte edges. Um, all of that is good, but as soon as you look, it's as, as I said about the iMac earlier, it looks lopsided because of that t- large forehead for me. And and so I, I want to see a Pixel 4a that's more affordable, brings 99% of the experience of the 4XL, you know, costs less money, maybe supports 5G, all these rumors, I'm on board. Even if it's just a Snapdragon 765, whatever. I don't need a Snapdragon 8. Like, I'm still using my Pixel 3 XL most days right now. And it's yeah. got on a Snapdragon 845, and I don't, I'm don't. i not hurting. I have to say that, you know how Pixels used to slow down? Mm-hmm. I feel like my Pixel 3 XL that's a year and a half old, it's kind of plateaued. It's it's not as fast as it used to be, but it hasn't slowed down in the last six months or so. It's, it's fine. I mean, Something it still has would, the RAM yeah. limitations that it always did, but... I don't feel as much pain as I used to. I gotta give kudos to Google for doing some optimizations with their Android Q release on that phone. Yeah, some people are definitely more affected by whatever performance issues plagued the earlier Pixels than others. I never had much of a problem myself, and I know Artem, the site owner at Android Police, had quite a lot of issues. But I mean, it, Artem is the guy to find the bugs. If you want to, f- yeah. if you want to break a phone, you give it to Artem, right? We all know this. Yeah. With all due respect, Artem, we love you for it. Um, yeah, so is that it? Pixel drop? Do we, do we have more? I mean, that's, that's basically it. I was just, uh, um, uh, my, my issue stems from, like we were talking about fragmentation. The, uh, um, oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of the whole Android 10 is not really Android 10 now. The Android 10 that Pixels are running is not the Android 10 your Galaxy S20 is running. I think the Galaxy S phones don't even have functionality from the December patch which was the first Pixel feature drop, which added the ability to use gesture navigation with third-party launchers. So Android 10 is not even Android 10 now. We have like at least three different major versions of Android 10, all of which have different features with no label associated with them. So you never know when you're going to get a feature. You don't even know what version number it's attached to. It's ridiculously hard for anyone to keep track. You know, it's so fragmented. I just, you know, and then you see what China's doing, and then you see what Huawei's doing with HMS. And it's just, it just really feels like a mess right now. Yeah, and it's kind of getting worse because we do have, at least with security updates, we know, okay, yes, we've got Project Mainline, we have the monthly security updates, we have all of these different mechanisms whereby features can be rolled out and everyone's more secure. So fragmentation in that regard is being fought. Everyone has most of the general like security features and a lot of the same general features. But when it comes to these specific new features, you have no idea what your phone has until you go like digging around inside of it to look. And that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I've, you know, having multiple Android phones on my body at all times, I'm used to it to some extent, but it's starting to feel worse. There was a time when things were pretty close on every 
on every platform other than the skins. And now you're right; the features are so diverse. Like, and it'd be it'd be one thing if you had a version number to tie it to. Why does this phone have it and this phone doesn't? Oh, because that one's running 10.1 and this one's running 10.0. No, they're all just running Android 10. But they're arbitrarily different versions of Android 10 that you can't tell. You don't yeah. know which it yeah. is. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. And then the other thing that's bugging me, I, I'm a big fan of dark mode UI, right? And and you know how some Android P phones, uh, 9 phones, have a dark mode, but it's not official because that came with Android 10. Yeah. And so I've got some phones that are, don't have a dark mode, so I can't run it. I have some phones that have a dark mode because it's their Android 10 dark mode. And I have some phones that have a dark mode that's kind of like implemented by the OS that they, you know, added to their Android nine version and it, it's all a mess because some of my apps follow the rules some of my apps can't because they don't know what's going on because they're yeah. they're assuming it's not available it's just and then some apps i have to force manually because of it i just hate it it's just so it's so fractured it's so bad right now yeah, yeah. i mean look the reality is i don't know how we solve this problem and I don't think it's going to change. I don't I don't think it's going to get better. I think that I really feel that we're going to see, you know, Huawei needs to do their thing, right? And they're they're going to and I we're going to see Facebook, Twitter and and other other companies probably support HMS so that these apps work and are in their US version of their app gallery. And you know, I think it's going to be more manageable like to live with a non with a non-GMS phone. Uh, speaking of fragmentation, that's definitely an issue for a lot of people in the world right now, who um, uh, in Europe in particular that and that use Google, you know, that require GMS for their Uber apps and their Netflix apps, and they might not care about Gmail and Maps and YouTube, and well, they will care about YouTube, so that's that's never going to be resolved. I don't know how that's going to work, but um, yeah, I'm just not happy with the state of things. I think that it's just a big disaster. Yeah. And you know what stops Oppo or Vivo or BBK Group in general to, or Xiaomi to say, hey, we're going to create our own, you know, GMS, you know, equivalent so that in case something happens with, with us and we're banned, you know, it's just going to, it just seems to me like it's going to fragment more. Probably. And but I'm not least, happy about it. Yeah. One solution in the meantime that would definitely fix things, and I know that Google's not doing it because it would piss off uh, other manufacturers, they should just go back to calling these uh, feature drop updates point one, Android 10.1, Android 10.2. Yeah, Samsung's going to get upset that, oh, their phones are only shipping with 10.0 and Google's on 10.2, but at least then we'll have a number to point at because right now it's ridiculous. But the reality has always been like that in the past, right? Google always yeah. got the first versions. We all knew that. That's why you buy a Pixel or a Nexus, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, the, these minor point reversions, they used to do them. Remember we had uh, Android 7.1 and a bunch of devices didn't get 7.1. They were stuck on 7.0. Exactly. You know, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. And then at least we have a number to point at. Yeah. I mean, in a way, by kind of having these feature drops, make, make, making these feature drops possible and the security updates possible, you know, without having to update the entire phone, it's it's a positive, I think, for people. Yeah. But at the same time, it's made things so much more confusing. Yeah. And I think maybe we see that more, Ryan, because you and I and all of us tech journalists and creators and YouTube people are constantly trying different phones. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't feel the average user is necessarily going to um, gonna be feeling this until they switch. Like, so if you're on a Pixel Three XL right now, and you're jonesing for Galaxy S10, uh, sorry S20, you're you might feel really weird when you switch to an S20. Yeah, because you're like you'll be like, wait, where's where's my live caption? Yeah, and although I think the S20 does it have it now? Caption. Okay, yeah. that's a bad example, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, speaking of, by the way, uh, the last thing I want to talk about the feature drop. One thing that I noticed that's kind of cool, but I don't understand why it exists. So maybe you, because you're so smart about these things and you follow it more than I do, will explain. Why did they add the ability for you to hold the power button to get your um, your wallet up there? 
Oh, oh because, so I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Yeah, that is probably I, let's talk about it because I can yeah. understand if you have multiple cards, that makes it way easier now. But in my opinion, I, I just unlock my phone and tap it on the thing because I use I have one primary card I use for Apple Pay, sorry, Google Pay, and I just tap and I don't even think about it. So, so I, th I think that the biggest reason that they added that is to make it more familiar with uh, for people who've previously used iPhones. I if was going to say, that's very much an iPhone feature, right? Exactly. So like on the iPhone, you double tap the power button and it takes you to the... Uh, uh, the wallet sort of menu. And I, I used to champion that distinction, how on one platform, double tap takes you to the wallet and on the other platform, it takes you to your uh, uh, camera, camera app. And yeah. that's because those are the two relative advantages. Google's very good at taking photos. Apple's very good at making you spend money. But, <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Ryan. That's funny. Yeah, but the it's, it's, it is actually kind of a, a big usability improvement in my mind because now the same sort of idea, the same gesture, admittedly a long press rather than a double tap, takes you to a similar interface. And just like on Apple's, uh, eventually we're going to get other types of cards and passes in. I, I mean, for me, I see it for boarding passes, passes being a bonus if I ever fly again, because I don't know if that's ever exactly. going to happen with coronavirus right now. Because I haven't really flown anywhere since uh, Chicago to go yeah. to a motos thing. And so, so you'll have things like gym memberships. You'll have things like reward yeah. cards. You'll have things like tickets that can live inside of that menu as well. So it'll really be like finally competing with Apple's really, really useful wallet. Because that is one of the things I miss the most about the last couple of months, I used an iPhone on and off, and I loved how convenient it was to just access the wallet and, you know, bring up my gym card when I went to the gym or pay for something really quickly when I was out and about. It was very convenient. I, I get the feeling and call, maybe tell me if you think I'm wrong, because I never see people use Google Pay out there. Like, I see people use Apple Pay all the time. I see some people using Samsung Pay because they use the uh, the magnetic card replication functionality, mm -hmm. whatever it's called. There's a name for it. You know what I'm saying? MST. MST. They're not using NFC. Anyway, they don't use the radio stuff. They use the magnetic stuff. And, you know, I just don't see people using Google Pay much. And so for me, I, I look at Google. I don't use Google. I don't use the wallet in Android to store my, my boarding passes or my membership cards. Right now, I'm only really using it for payment. And I have a couple of cards on there, but one is my main and it's the default. And I expect it, you know, I've kind of dedicated it to, to this, the use of Google Pay. So I know that I can just tap unlock and tap and I'm good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, you actually use it for membership. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, on my iPhone, absolutely. It's on your iPhone, so, but on yeah, Android, yeah. that's what I'm saying on, on yeah. Android. Do you see people do that? Does that even exist? No. And that's that. Well, the part of the reason is there's no, uh, until Android 11, there isn't actually a, uh, an API. Oh, for... so it doesn't exist yet. See, I was under the impression that boarding passes were supported by the Android. By the... Bo so, so I think some boarding passes specifically are, they have been engineered to be supported directly. But what I'm talking about is there's third party app support so that any app right. can be like, Hey, I've got information right here. This is a boarding pass, or this is a ticket, or this is a loyalty yeah, like, card. Like, like, like Apple's doing with iOS. For like, years now. Exactly yeah, like yeah, Apple's yeah. doing. So there, yeah. that API won't actually even be present in Android until Android 11. 11. Yeah. Ah, well, there you go. Okay. Well, anyway, so that's the feature drop in a nutshell. I think we, we've got everything, maybe? Yep, that was pretty much... Oh, there was the long press squish to smoosh thing. Yeah, so like yeah, the... Yeah, we uh, got that. Yeah, you push the screen and it, based on how much your finger spreads out, it can kind of fake a harder press detection. And it's stupid and Google shouldn't have wasted time doing it because even Apple's given up on the idea. <laughs> Uh, speaking of more Google news and Pixel news and mothership in uh, Mountain View, uh, Google I.O. has been canceled. I know. Fears around the coronavirus. And I feel like my universe is collapsing this year. Uh, I know. I was looking forward to seeing you MWC, while I was there. MWC was the first for me. Then GDC in San Francisco. Not that I was going to be able to make it because it conflicts with South by Southwest, which still hasn't been canceled, but I think is on the verge of getting canceled. It sounds like it. And I'm worried because I'm supposed to do a road trip out to Austin in my camper van. And if and I don't want to start driving out there. I mean, I love road trips, but I don't want to start driving out there without a goal. Like it's like I need to know yeah, that's happening. Somewhere. You know? Yeah. So um We'll see how it goes. But um, the other one that got canceled is, let's see, I'm trying to think of them in order. Uh, so Facebook's F, uh, Facebook conference is canceled. Yeah. My, something Microsoft got canceled, right? Uh, yeah, something Microsoft. But Bill, I think Bill hasn't yet been canceled officially, although that's probably going to happen since they're canceling other stuff. Google canceled two things. They canceled their, whatever it is, the thing that for uh, the Google Apps stuff, you know. 
if you have a Google domains, they have a conference for that. Uh, no that idea. got canceled first, like oh, two weeks ago or something. And now they've canceled IO. And I feel like canceling IO. Well, we should probably mention IO is canceled, but they're still going to do all oh, the Oh, yeah, sessions. yeah. No, but doing a lot of them remotely. are doing that. Yeah. Like GDC said they're postponing. And I mean, we all know, like, I think David Ruddock, like, nailed it. It's like, you got to read between the lines. You know, yes, you can have a virtual conference all you want, and that's totally fine. And I think, uh, honestly, I think Worldwide Developer Conference, Apple's conference is going to be like that. I think they're going to have the keynote in, you know, Steve Jobs Hall, and yeah. it's going to be a small audience uh, of, you know, uh, employees. And there's going to be a bit of cheering and it's going to feel totally normal, but we're all going to be watching it on a webcast yeah. and no media is going to be there. No analysts, no partners, no carriers. It's going to be just the essential people. And then all of the, you know, developer side stuff is going to be, you know, somehow Remote. telepresence, you know, yeah. and that sucks because having been in the conference world forever not just as a journalist but previously as a developer making video games for 20 years before i was a journalist for 15 so a long time it's really been a great opportunity to you know if anything at at the most superficial to see your friends and hang out yeah at, at the least superficial to connect and meet people and and build up your career and and just network and all that good stuff which is just so much harder to do when you're not in person with someone. And exactly. I think I'm worried that because, you know, I mean, I think we're doing the right thing, obviously, to try to protect ourselves against this this pandemic. But at the same time, I'm feeling like we already are super insular as a culture ever since computers and mobile tech and and social media has become, you know, pretty much universal anywhere, anytime. And a lot of people don't, don't do as much social stuff as they used to. A lot of people will stay home and watch Netflix rather than go to a concert or, you know, hang out with their friends. And I'm worried that this is going to change the culture radically, even if it only lasts for a year, you know? Yeah. I'm worried that conferences like GDC, sorry, not GDC, but MWC, uh, might not recover, might not come back. I do think that's true just because a lot of the OEMs and the manufacturers, that's a non-trivial expense for them. They're not showing up here at for no reason, they want to get attention from the press. And they all just realized, as a result of everything that just happened, that they can get all that same attention from the press without having to spend any of that money. I mean, and that's going to be the big motivator in my mind. I can imagine a future where we're over the coronavirus, everything's fine again, we can all travel, we can all do stuff, and some companies like Samsung and others are th having events again, and we're actually meeting in person again, you know, in various cities and whatever. I don't see that necessarily disappearing, but What's the impetus for them to do it at a trade show when, you know, they're at the whim of another epidemic or another, some sort of disaster that causes them to lose millions of dollars, right? Yeah. If they can control their destiny more. And it's, it's also kind of why Apple early on moved, moved on from all trade shows and decided to, you know, to follow their own path. And for a while, I thought Samsung was going to do the same. Like it looked like for a while, like a few years back, Samsung started announcing their phones before, after MWC. Mm -hmm. And then they went back to MWC and announced, I think it was the S8 at w MWC. Yeah. And I was like, or the Well, S it was technically like the day before and it was also at the Fira, which was weird. Yeah, but, but... what I'm saying, that's still part, it was still technically yeah. like as part of, like on site in Barcelona. And, and then with, you know, Last year with the S10, I think it was either the S8 or the S9. I can't remember where they did it back in Barcelona. Or, two, or both of them it was the S8 and the S9. And then the S10, they went back like a week before in San Francisco or three days before in San Francisco. And this year, a week before. And I thought for sure, like, but they went back. So I think this is for sh this is pretty much for sure now that even if MWC recovers and comes back as a trade show uh, somehow, uh, that we're not going to see any major company announce anything there in the future. Yeah, that could certainly be. I mean, if you're a smaller company, it makes more sense, right? But if you're like an Oppo or a Xiaomi or a Huawei or a Samsung, why the hell would you not be in charge of your own destiny? That's the question. So it's a big bummer because Google I.O. is a very unique experience. You've been there. 
you know yeah it's hard to explain to people it's like, it's like i feel feel like it's like a lot like burning kind of like man. summer camp yeah it's like burning man you, you have to experience it to know what it's like i've been yeah. to many developer conferences over the years many many especially in the video game industry and google io has this very very unique flavor to it which i think part of it is now that it's at the uh you know at the amphitheater um uh and that's a little different experience altogether than when it was in Moscone in San Francisco. So now it's at Mountain View, uh, shoreline of theater. It's 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 a very um it feels it feels kind of partially like a like, like a camp. like a fair, as you say. Yeah, or like a fair. You're like there for several days, you see the same people over and over. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's got it's outdoors, which is also interesting for a conference. Um Usually when you're in a trade show, it's indoors and, you know, feel, feels a little contrived, I feel. And this is much more free. It's very California hippie in a good way. Yeah. Um, so it's a bummer. Um, not that I had been invited yet. I don't know. Did they ever send out invites to the media yet? Um, uh, kind of. I mean, they sent us a notice saying it's coming, but I don't think they, anyway. I don't think, yeah. No, so we hadn't actually gotten, like, tickets yet. But yeah. we, I think we, we knew how many people were gonna get We're allowed yeah 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 anyway speaking of samsung and trade shows and launches we spoke with ray wong last week here on the show about the galaxy s20 ultra specifically the camera we went really deep in the camera because you know he was one of the people that was very uh very loud and about the, the autofocus problem and i don't say that in a negative way i think it was justified yeah um and you know there's been a camera update uh, announced and I don't think it's, it's landed yet. But... It has in Korea, I think, but not in the US. Yeah, yet. exactly. But anyway, um, the bottom line is I want to talk a little bit with you. I mean, I don't know. Have you, other than the event and the briefings, have you played with one? Do you have one? Mine is coming tomorrow. Did so you pre order one? Too or... much. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. I, I, have, I have one coming. Got it. Um, um, well, but... I don't have one yet. I'm, I'm actually hoping to get a review unit at some point. Samsung's been very, uh, very cagey about that, and I think it's not. I gonna mean, come... if we're going to talk about that subject, Samsung's been very stingy to everybody lately. It's been like terrible. I've got yeah. a Galaxy Z Flip coming today that I ordered from Best Buy. Oh, you're gonna love it! It's so good. I'm gonna return it in ten days. There's no, no. way I can afford. No, I can't afford to keep no. it. There's okay. no way. I'm not buying okay, that, phones. I'm, I'm not going down the slippery slope. It's not happening. Fine, I'm gonna slam my Z Flip shut in anger. Okay, fine. Because I love I'm getting song. it today. I will unbox it. I'll make a bunch of content for you folks, and we'll talk about it on the show next week. But it's I such have, a good I, phone. It, ah. I know it is a great phone, and I just no way I can justify keeping a thirteen hundred dollar phone. Uh, but the fourteen hundred, whatever it is. The the point is that the the S twenty Ultra. I'm not going to buy one, but I think that our carrier friends will eventually have one for me. And so. But yeah, it's been really rough with Samsung this year, um, and even last year for smaller pubs like mine. Um, you know, if you're not very visual, like in my case, I have a YouTube channel, but the numbers aren't really there that they consider me a visual publication. And they're like, nope. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I have people like, you know, Austin Evans and, you know, whatever, and Ryan Hager, come on, on my show. Like, I need to have an, you know, form an opinion with these devices so I can discuss them with authority. And we had this conversation with them and they're like, we understand that, but no. And I they're think very it's very stingy weird. now and it's, it's too bad. Really weird. Because for yeah. a big company like that, I just don't understand. Anyway, I think they're doing it wrong. And I think they're too afraid of criticism now. They know that uh, print publications are much more critical and factual and they're not just making like thinly veiled advertisements. But it's not going to change. Like, look at what happens with Apple, right? Apple, basically, you have to walk the party line if you want to be on their good graces for devices. But people end up buying them and reviewing them anyway. Yeah, and that's the other thing. They know that if it's important enough, we will find a way to afford and it so to do I, it. And so I'm this reason I, I can't really justify keeping this Z Flip, but I'm buying one and taking the $45 restocking fee hit for my audience because I feel that they should know and I feel that I should know what the experience is like yeah and i don't want to have to do that samsung and i don't want to have to do that in general it's not sustainable for a small publication like mine uh, it's not sustainable for anyone except the biggest of publications absolutely correct, correct. even we couldn't do that at ap I, I bought this as a one-off because i thought that the it was my first folding phone i'd never used one before and i was really curious about the idea coupled with the fact the folding glass it sounded so much better but no this is i'm not doing this again 
No, exactly. So you don't understand. So S20 Ultra, let's talk about the other parts we didn't cover, like the display, the performance, the 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 giganticness of it all, because it's, it's a big just boy. huge. And the 5G and what's your take on the various reviews? So all a lot of the reviews are out now, not just camera centric reviews and comparisons, but more like here's a general review of the phone. In fact, yeah. it you know, uh it's uh Ryan reviewed it on Android Police, so check it Ryan, out. Ryan, not Ryan, different person. We got several people with almost the same name at AP. Well, that, that's who I meant. Wait, <laughs> yeah, when, no, I right? know. I, for, for your for your listeners, I was making sure they oh, knew. Oh, right, not yeah. you. Yeah. Exactly. Ryan, R-Y-A-N, not R-Y-N-E. And he's been on, on the show before. Yeah, correct. Ryan Whitwam. So what's your take? Like, what do you think? Um, I mean... Most of what I've seen kind of seems to jibe with the fact that this is not worth fourteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Primarily, I think that's um, a pretty good summary right there. Yeah, like I mean, sure, it's a fast phone. You have one hundred forty-four display. Uh, you've got five G, but five G availability in the U.S. is kind of garbage right now. Five um, G speeds on carriers vary hugely. Like T-Mobile's is basically like LTE plus. It is five G. It's real five G, but it's not the millimeter wave five G that's super fast. Right. And the millimeter wave five G might be super fast, but you can get it on like three street corners in the entire if U.S. If you look basically. at your phone the wrong way, you lose the signal. Exactly. Or if the wind blows and a newspaper crosses your path or something, like anything can interrupt it. And the biggest problem that I see with fourteen hundred dollars is just the fact that. That's a whole lot of money to be paying for a phone that's only going to be getting like two years of Android OS updates and at most three years of security updates. Like what? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm a big fan of like, you know, imaging centric devices. So I'm very attracted to this phone for that you know, for the camera part, even though it has its flaws and I'm sure they can be worked out just to kind of experience. But I feel like this phone is not the phone people should buy. Yeah. I feel like people, if they're going to spend that kind of money, should buy a Z Flip, right? Yes. And if they are not going to spend that kind of money, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and say that you should probably buy an S20 or S20 Plus, but probably just an S20. Yeah, the the Plus doesn't really seem to me like it adds too much for unless you really want the bigger phone. The smaller one, all the reviews. Actually, have there been any reviews of the smaller one yet? I've heard some impressions from a few folk that seem to have gotten them early, but I don't know if there are any reviews of the smaller model by itself. Uh, no, apparently the review units are just getting in the hands of reviewers, from what I understand. Okay. Samsung has sent... I know that I've seen the, some folks at CNET uh, discuss that they have an S20, S20 Plus now. So, basically what I'm saying is, you know, if you're... I'm I'm sure that a lot of the so a lot of the issues of the cameras won't apply to the lesser phones, yeah. but you're not going to get the same feature set. Obviously, that crazy ability to zoom not not you know not that it's any useful beyond twenty or thirty x, and uh, you know that hundred eight megapixel sensor and the nine to one pixel binning, which you know has a lot of issues with autofocus still because of uh, the very nature of its design. You know, um, it has a lot despite having an f one point eight lens, which is not the fastest in smart world smartphone world it is a, such a large sensor that the that the plane is the, so narrow anyway. yeah the focusing yeah. plane is super narrow so it's really hard to focus um and i'm sure they're going to fix it but i feel like the average person if you want a millimeter wave or something i think right now the the, the s s20 plus is your is your ticket um the s20 will eventually come out on on verizon with millimeter wave support but they'll probably sacrifice some other support um and it's uh but it's, I think the S20 is the one to get for most people. Probably. And maybe even a Note 10, you know, save some money. It is still a very good phone. The Note 10 is a very good phone. I think the Note 10 looks more futuristic. Um, the S20, I'm happy that it went away from the waterfall display. So let's talk about that. 120 hertz, quad HD on all, four, on all three phones, but you can yeah. only have 1080p at 120 hertz or quad HD at 60 hertz. Well, there are rumors that that's going to change with the future update. I was going to say might, that sounds like yeah. a software thing. And of course, it's yeah. going to kill the battery, but that's... Well, it already kills the battery from what I'm told. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I follow uh, Max Weinbach at yeah. XDA Developers and I are, are pretty good friends. And he's uh, been playing with his S20 Ultra 
and his battery life is really, really poor so far. And he's blaming a combination of uh, 5G connectivity, which I guess kind of sucks it down. If you kick over in 4G mode, it uh, lasts a lot longer. And the high refresh rate display between the two of them, it, uh, it's not doing too good for I him. I mean, at least they put a 5,000 milliamp hour battery there and a 4,000 S20 and a 4,500 S20+. Yeah. So I think for the average person, it's going to be okay. Well, we'll see. There are no uh, S20, the small one, reviews yet. True. So. But I, I'm, I have a hunch that, you know, first of all, the default setting is 60 hertz, 1080p, right? Yeah. So most people aren't even going to change that, which is, I know, crazy. But the reality is like, you know, for our audience, you're going to probably want to switch to 120. That's what I want. I wish I had a 90 hertz setting. Personally, I don't think I need 120. 90 is fine. Yeah, I, I feel like it, the, the benefits of high refresh rate displays all depend on the angular size of what you're resolving and how quick the motion is. And at that size, the size of a phone, as far away as we hold the phones, I don't know if the advantage between, the change between 90 and 100 is as big as 60 to 90. Yeah, so basically I think they should have a setting for 90, but I permanently, I, I would be won't sacrifice resolution for a refresh rate any day. And so I would probably peg mine to 120. I've got my Pixel 4 XL pegged to 120, honestly, and yes, the battery's taken a hit, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be, frankly. It's manageable. I mean, manageable. That phone's terrible battery life. The it's other day, pretty I, bad. I was using it, yeah, I was using it for our uh, hands-on of the feature drop. And I think I got less than four hours before it actually hit zero from 100 to zero. Wow. Uh, the first day I use it. And it's, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's manageable is, I think, the best way I can put it, really. Yeah. If you, if you carry around a charger or a battery with you, it's usable. Yeah, pretty much. So I think, um, you know, you, you and I use phones differently than the average person out there, right? That is fair. And yeah, so, that is fair. So 5G is, I think, something that you can turn off and probably don't need to have on. It's more future-proofing at this point than anything else. I think if you're on, on Timo, it makes a difference. Uh, yeah. Even though it's LT+, plus, essentially, like in terms of speeds, it does give you it coverage. It is 5G, in, yeah. It, it gives you coverage in some areas that are fringe right now where LT falls apart. Uh, yeah. And I experienced that a lot with the, um, the McLaren phone. So I, I can definitely see the benefit. But I have a feeling millimeter wave is the thing that really kills you on the Galaxy S20 Ultra reviews we've seen because that's, that's how true. most people have been testing 5G with Verizon, right? Yeah. And then, ooh, trouble. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, that's the thing. Battery life is great on paper, but it can dwindle quickly depending on what you do, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, granted, I, I don't have a familiarity with the phone in question, but in general, what would you say is true? And then the display, as we talked about, you know, compromises. You have to decide. Do you want, do you want 2K? Do you want 120? Yeah. I wish there was a 90 hertz display. But look, the reality, this is the best display we've seen on a smartphone. Again, Samsung just somehow manages to make a better display every time. I don't know how they do it. Absolutely. That, that no thing, one can argue against Samsung not making the best screens in phones, period. It's just unreal. Like, I remember, I've only spent a brief amount of time during the briefing with it, and I'm just like, I remember, like, it popped immediately in my head. I'm like, this is a screen. Wow. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, that's what, um, that's where we're at. Um, and then, what other features? Like, um, the so, we're specifically talking the S20 Ultra. I think the size is a problem. I feel like... Oh, yeah. I, I can manage big phones... But I think that like a lot of people are not going to be happy with this phone. It's just, it's just a monster. 6.9 inch. I don't mind the display size per se. It's just the thickness, the weight, yeah. the bulkiness of it. Display size doesn't matter. It's the size of the phone itself. The yeah. camera pod, how much it sticks out. All of it combined make, it, make for a phone that's porky, you know? Yeah. I used to think that I was uh, comfortable with larger devices back in the area of like the original pixels and you know, 2015 to 2017, big phones were fine. But in the last couple of years, uh, I really started noticing it with the OnePlus 7 Pro. They're just getting too big. Yeah, the OnePlus the 7 Pro was a, huge. It, it, remember you and I talking about this back then at the yeah. launch last year? It was a tipping point for me. It was like, okay, this is too big. Yeah, exactly. When I went back to the 7T, it was like, hooray, this is just the perfect size for me. Phones are getting too large. I was comfortable with the increase in size, and especially now that I've been using the Z Flip, which is teeny tiny when folded up and fits in the bottom of my pocket, and it doesn't feel like I have a a, a splint strapped to my thigh all of the time. It's <laughs> yeah. a night and day difference. It's like I have a book in my pocket. Yeah. No, I'm just happy to see you. 
Um, but I mean, look, this is the thing you have to think about, right? If you are a gung-ho, uh, you know, the kind of person who listens to the show and you want the best of the best and you're big on Samsung and you've, you maybe have an S, uh, S10 5G or an S10 Plus or maybe a Note 10, right? Uh, yeah. t- it's and you and you upgrade every six months and you're like really looking and you're like want to know i feel yeah, then that, the ultra is obviously for you i feel that it is not obviously i think it is if your imaging is your thing and you want to experiment with all these new crazy features that we've had on p30 pro and and you know uh reno 10x zoom and other other phones like the the folded lens uh the the, the periscope, periscope style, right? yeah. So if you want that, maybe spend the $400. But honestly, if all you want is a really good, solid, all-around, super awesome flagship, you know, yeah. with new features like 5G and 120 hertz, and I think you might want to save your money and spend less and get an S20 Plus or S20. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Although I would still caveat that with wait for reviews and let's see what battery life. Of course, like. right. But I'm yeah. just saying that for even for those who listen to this show who are avid i mean if you if you like cameras but and you want a solid camera but you're not really super worried about like the you know the 10x 20x 3x zoom i i would not even say that you need that 100, 108 megapixel sensor i have a feeling that the 12 megapixel sensor on the main cameras of the 20 and 20 plus again wait for reviews but i have a feeling it's going to be pretty solid it's definitely going to have better yeah. autofocus and i'm wondering if they kept the dual aperture on that because that was a big deal actually i felt that a lot of people dismissed that, that as a gimmick yeah but i no, thought it, it really was a thing low light yeah yeah you you could do you could hit a much shorter exposure in nighttime with like the S9 using the uh, yep. uh, dual aperture. I I really enjoyed that feature. Yeah, I thought it was solid too, uh, and they're the only ones who ever did it. So I think that's uh, that's worth that's worth mentioning. So that's kind of my take on these reviews. I think you're right that the biggest issue is for me the girth of it and the price of it. If they can yeah. fix that somehow, Samsung. It's insane that we're having to talk about a flagship that's $1,400. That's not like some kind of weird device, like the folding phone or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean... It's not unique enough to justify what price you get. You're not... Who pay $400 for a camera? Because it's basically what you're doing. Basically. And a massive phone. Yeah. Um, you can spend $400 and get yourself a nice... Well, not a nice... You can get an okay mirrorless. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's... Speaking of weird phones, did you play with the TCL Concepts? I did not. So we had uh, David play with those over and they still did briefings in Barcelona, even though MWC was canceled. So he got to check those out, but I ah. didn't. So I was invited by Brad, a good friend, Brad of TCLPR to New York City, but I couldn't really justify going out there. Um, there is um, a trio. Well, one of them was shown at CS, but there's three devices that are concepts that they uh, showed to the media in New York this week that are really cool um one is a trifold phone very much like what we saw in westworld um if you've been watching that series and then uh one is a rollable like stretchable concept and then of course there was the uh the 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 folding concept with this cool crazy green uh incredible hulk color that we saw at cs so you can i'll link to a video of that one in my in the show notes because I was at CS and played with the the simple folding one. But the other two are intriguing. Um, What's your take on what you've seen in terms of coverage so far? I'm fascinated. So I used to be one of those people that was like folding phones or whatever. I don't care. And then I played with the Z Flip and I'm like, yeah, no, this is absolutely the direction all phones are going to go. Yeah. And anyone who sticks with a slab design is like willfully ignorant behind the times because the advantages are just too big. When it comes to getting more screen space, having a smaller like feeling in your pocket, the multitasking benefits of having a larger screen, it's night and day. I'm absolutely a convert. It might not be for everybody, but for people like you and me who need to work a lot on the go, which I think increasingly is more and more people, yeah, uh, it's absolutely a game changer. And to that end, it's not going away. It's just going to keep getting better. So I'm really fascinated by the uh, sort of uh, the accordion-looking two hinge unit that looks really really cool does it only fold in one that do the the two panels that has it basically has two hinges so do mm. the two panels fold ever or have a dedicated way of folding or can you fold in any direction i do not know i didn't get to play it's with hard it, to t- i have to watch some videos to, to figure yeah. that out i'm bummed i couldn't play with them 
Oh, um, it is. Yes. So you can you can unfold. You can do two panels or three panels. Yeah. Okay. I see in the photos here. Um, couldn't make it to New York, so I'm gonna rely on. I'm gonna link to obviously to David's story. Uh, about these phones but the rolling one or whatever expandable one is really interesting to me so imagine a phone yeah. that looks like a regular phone and then you pull on it and it stretches out into a double-sized tablet and it's kind of like a scroll in and, terms of the rolling yeah and the display yeah. is essentially uh basically rolls over to the back so when it's when it's not stretched when it's uh, you know collapsed basically the display hides itself in the back in the back cover and when it wraps around yeah Yeah. and when it's pulled apart and when it's stretched you know that unfurls into the front it's very interesting i love the look of that thing i mean i like the idea in a sort of nerdy i'm really cool we could do this way but they couldn't do it so in the uh, i think every hands-on that everyone got it was non-functional they had a uh, plastic sheet or a paper sheet or something in place of the display so they weren't even able to do it yet. That is more of a concept oh, than the so other one. Oh, so this wasn't actually was a live display. It was just like... No. A- that was like a, here, wouldn't this be cool, guys? No, it's it was not actually real. And secondarily, I can't even imagine something like that being reliable in the long term. It's one thing when you have, you know, a single hinge, single point of contact, one part of the screen needs to bend back and forth, but repeatedly rolling and up, unrolling, and flexing, imagine all the dirt that could get caught in there and scrape exactly. the display as it goes. Oh my God. Yeah, what a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, it's, so that's, I think it's a little less realistic. For sure, but it's still very freaking cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, that's what got, uh, that was my takeaway from that. So I'm I'm honestly kind of gung-ho like you are about, uh, I'm probably going to lose my mind when I get my phone today, my Z Flip, and be super happy about it. And it's going to be really hard to return, but I just cannot justify keeping a $1,300 phone. You'll, it'll be a hard decision for you. Because like, I, I was not into folding phones. I thought they were kind of stupid. I cannot believe how much my mind changed. Yeah. You weren't planning on keeping yours is what you're saying. No. Oh boy. Oh, what have I done? I have opened <laughs> Pandora's box. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, switching topics real quick. I want to talk about, so speaking of concepts and phones that, you know, look really intriguing, but are a more traditional form factor, but has some features that are, to me, have kind of raised a bunch of eyebrows. There is the new Vivo Apex 2020, which is a concept phone. Every year or so, Vivo comes out with a concept that shows the direction they're going. And the original Vivo Apex showed a pop-up camera, which we now take for granted on $200 mid-range phones. Yeah. Um, Like Motorola's uh, One Hyper. So, I mean, that's more of a $350 mid-range phone, but whatever, you know what I'm saying. Uh, There's lots of $200 phones out of China that have a pop-up camera. Uh, And so this thing... It it exists, it's real, but it's a concept. It's not going to be sold. And so the, the, the things that they're showing here are very much like the Mate 30 Pro. They're they're doing like a wraparound, the edges of the phone are screen, more than the waterfall display we're used to from Samsung. Yeah, this is more than just like a slight wrap around the edge. This covers the edge, front and back, basically. Correct. And then it has a 16 megapixel under display camera in the front for selfies. So again, you know, this is not the first time we've seen this. We've seen I prototype. Think the last year's Vivo yeah. Apex also had that. But this is apparently a much more sorted, um, usable tech from last uh, versus last year's, which is, I think, good news. Uh, yeah. Then we've got... Um, Let's see, uh, a telephoto lens, which is a folding, a folded uh, periscope lens, um, which, you know, is variable, the zoom. So it's, it, the, the elements move inside the periscope. We have moving elements inside of Just a phone like, for something uh, other than focus. Just like a lot of the, you know, those sports point and shoot cameras were for a long time, yep. those waterproof ones. They had a, so it has five times to 7.5 times optical magnification. Variable. And that is wild. That is crazy because uh, that's a lot of moving parts. And speaking of moving parts, the other thing that really caught my attention, which is why I brought it up here, is that the 48 megapixel primary camera um, has a gimbal in addition to the OIS uh, correcting for sideways, left, right, um, you know, up-down motion. This is like full I- it, IBIS. This it is, yeah. rotates the entire sensor. Um, and it's not the first time that's been done, but apparently this is like uh, also rotating, uh, you know, uh, axially and and uh, ang- the angle uh, parallel versus, versus the scene, right? So you have yeah. like basically more degrees of motion in the OIS. It's kind of crazy. Full five axis. Yeah. 
Um, so that sounds really interesting to me, um, and I thought I'd talk. I'd just bring it up. Uh, oh, of course, because Vivo, uh, BBK Group, Oppo, all these folks have you know crazy fast charging. This is sixty watt wireless charging. How do you That's feel about that, Ryan? I'm not into the idea. So I, I uh, I'm AP's resident charging nerd because I was made to be. So I've actually read like things like the power delivery specification chapter 10 which has all of the limits and text and all of yeah. the may and may not language and i understood some of it even but so i'm i'm really i don't like the idea of pumping 60 watts of power wirelessly because I, I i don't know the exact numbers but i know that in previous examples you lose something like up to 10 percent of the energy that you're pumping in to just waste heat with uh like chi wireless charging and I don't like the idea of 10% of 60 watts turning into waste heat, like, on my battery. That's I mean, bad. Yeah, it's going to be a nice space heater in your room. Yeah, and that's optimistic. You can lose more than that. So I, I, would, I would not use this myself. No, but I'm I mean, already again, a little distrustful You're not of going to charging. because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept. And we don't know. This could, not, this use, could use something that's newer and better than Qi and is more hey, efficient. Maybe. Yeah. And, and it, back, it falls back to Qi backwards compatibility in case you want to yeah, charge for all we 10 know. watt. We, we do know? know very little. Yeah. Yeah. The other reason, the reason this has uh, such fast wireless charging is because it has por it's a portless phone and a buttonless phone, just like the Apex 2019 was. So there's no buttons or ports of any kind, not even pogo pins, apparently, this time around. Last year, there were some pogo pins in case you needed to override stuff. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> eh. So, I mean... I like concept phones like I like concept cars because we know they're not real. They're, I mean, they are, you know, they can be manufactured as a one-off to show and working. But it's just, it's just interesting to see the direction and it gets, I think, gets people excited. And, and, and it gets me excited. I'm, I don't know. I, maybe I'm a sucker. But I kind of no, 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 dig it. Yeah. It's cool. Um, speaking of Chinese companies making cool phones, there's a, a couple of um, super high-end gaming phones. Well. I don't know if they're going to be, uh, they're probably not going to be super expensive because gaming phones seem to be really affordable and give you a lot of bang for the buck. You, you know how much, uh, you know that story I wrote for Android Police about the the Red Magic 2. Yeah, and I did, I think, the Red Magic 2 3. Plus. Or the 2 Plus, you're right, you're right. Right, yeah. So we both feel the same way that for the money, you know, there are some, you know, there are some, a few things that are, you know, missing, like especially in the imaging department. I wouldn't use it as like a daily driver. But or is my for the phone, money, you get yeah. a a really good, decent level of performance, and so absolutely there is rumors of a a Red Magic Five G, which I mostly included in this uh, podcast because I thought it looks kind of crazy. Uh, and then there's a the Xiaomi Black Shark Three that um, that seems more official, and that one has get this Ryan, a shoulder buttons that pop out of the phone mechanically. I'm into that. Like have that little motors, cool. kind of like pop-up cameras and go like, and then you get 1.5 millimeter of travel on the buttons. And that's not bad. Yeah. So I'll link to those stories from Engadget and Pocket now, but what's your take? Do you think gaming phones are here to stay? Uh, absolutely. I, I don't think that I care about them. I don't think you care about them in terms of being gaming phones, because we're not going to, I don't play Fortnite on my phone. You don't play Fortnite on your phone, I assume. No. We're, we're not, we're not the target audience. No. But I think in markets like China and India, where gaming is exploding on smartphones, they're absolutely a permanent part of the landscape going forward. It's interesting to me that Razer couldn't make it stick, considering their brand cachet. Uh, I'm not at all surprised, considering how garbage Razer is at making products of any kind. Okay, that is 100% I'm agreeing to you with you on that. But apart from that, which is probably the only reason why it failed, but yeah. They are pretty bad at making things stick. So and I will. I need to. I need to uh, uh, qualify that statement because I know one of the people on the software team. Their software is good. Their software work is good. The work that they did for the phone that they made, the couple phones that they made, the Razer phones, like the software on those phones is solid. But their hardware, the people who are actually making the decisions when it comes to the long term durability of the stuff that they make, yeah. and its mechanical performance, just do not care. There were so many bad decisions in that, especially in the Razer 2. I'm, I was willing to give the Razer 1 a pass, right? Because it's your first time, you're trying, you're learning, whatever. Um, back to those phones, though. I'm just going to give you a really quick rundown. The Xiaomi Black Shark 3 has a 7.1 inch display. Are you ready for a big phone? 
That's chunky. Uh, yeah, 2K display, uh, 90 hertz refresh, probably AMOLED. Um, prices are $700 is the higher point uh, price point with 12 gigs of RAM. There's an 8 gigs of RAM version as well. Um, and, and it's a little cheaper if you don't want the pop-up buttons, I think. Correct, yeah. There's a yeah. version without the pop-up buttons. So that I guess the, the Pro one has the pop-up buttons, and the non-Pro has the non-pop-up buttons, and that starts at 500 which I think is a really good price for a Snapdragon yeah. 865 equipped phone. And that, that has an 18... Uh, like um, It doesn't have... It's 10, not 1080p. It's 2400 by 1800, 6.67 inch display with 90 hertz. So that one's... Different aspect ratio. Weird resolution. Yeah, weird arbitrary. I mean, it's 1440. It's a bit wider than 1440, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's actually more than 2K then. 2400 by 1800, that's like almost 3K. That's almost the same display as on the uh, the Xperia 1 and 1 Mark II. Uh, anyway, big batteries, 5000 and 4700. 5G, uh, both phones. And there is a dual rear camera oh, it's triple camera set up in the back 64 megapixel 13 ultra wide 5 megapixel depth assist so no ultra wide which is oh no no sorry telephoto which is the way you're going to do I, I think there's a way to go if you're going to skip one camera drop the ultra drop the sorry the telephoto I'm a big fan of the ultra wide oh I'm all about the telephoto yeah I know you are it's okay everybody's got you know what's interesting who else I was talking about this like that I was I think it was Ryan Whitwam actually a lot of Android police folks are really into the telephoto yeah 65 watt fast charging and so that's that's one thing and then we've got let's see let's let's see so we don't know much about the um the Reg Magic 5G right like there's a bunch of specs that have leaked, but I think it's the industrial design of the case that's got me really excited. It's blue and red. Um, I mean, I kind of hate gaming phone industrial yeah, design. I think but, it looks but, terrible. But, but exactly. They're ugly, but if you kind of, if you accept what they're like, the, the aesthetic, there's good and bad within that aesthetic, right? I mean, I suppose. I still don't like it. I like weird looking flashy colors on phones. And this is. I do like that. This is I weird do like and that. flashy. It has this big X, half of it is blue, half of it is red. I'll, wait until you the, see the color uh, on your Z. Wait, which color Z flip did you get? I got the purple one, of course. Yeah. Wait until <laughs> you see it. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. It's like green sometimes. I know. Uh, it has a, a 64 megapixel Sony IMX 686 sensor in the back. Yeah, 55 watt fast charging, 4,400 milliamp hour battery, 6.65 inch. Oh, this is the crazy thing. 144 hertz display. Yep. How do you feel about them, Apples? That's pretty quick. It'll be good for gaming. I wonder if, if it's many... an OLED or an IPS. That'll be really interesting in telling. I don't think I've seen an OLED at 144 yet. I don't know if I have a phone either. Huh. Well, folks, there you go. This is the big unknown about this one. I hope it's OLED. That would be pretty dope. I do kind of wish it had the uh, hardware triggers that the Black Shark has because in the when I was using the previous version of the Red Magic, that was one of the things that I found kind of annoying. Uh, I did play a bunch of uh, Fortnite with uh, my previously mentioned buddy Max Weinbach at XDA, and uh, so you it do was, play Fortnite. I mean, not often or willingly, but I did it while I was doing that review because it was. You it was the major point of the you phone. You took one for the team, didn't you? That was, it was properly using the device the way it was meant to be used. So yes, I played plenty of Fortnite on that phone, even though I hate the game. And uh, having hardware triggers, I think, would make a pretty big difference in terms of usability because the capacitive ones, way too easy to trigger accidentally. Yeah, that's true, right? Um, but it's interesting how everybody's implementing this in a different way. I, I, di I think it's a little over the top to have, like, I feel like you could just have shoulder buttons that stick out by just one millimeter and have really good tactile feedback. And you don't need to necessarily motorize them like this uh, Xiaomi phone is doing. Seems overkill, but the coolness factor is off the charts, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind yeah. of what you're going for here. So I'm willing to excuse that for the coolness factor. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it for the topics this week. I mean... um, there are some more things coming next week. Obviously, I'll I'll talk about the my Z Flip experience. I'm um, sad I won't be there for that. And I think we've got some news coming from Oppo soon, so stay tuned for that. I think that's going to be exciting. Uh, I have a device coming from them as well, so I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna keep you hooked. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is, it's been a pretty busy week, all things considered. Um, despite the fact that all the trade shows are getting canceled left, right and center and maybe possibly dying, we're still getting content for you folks. Uh, last week I, I got to play with the LG G, uh, not G, the V60 and I talked about that. And so I'm still getting some hands-ons and some briefings. It's a little harder because everything seems to be in New York city right now as yeah. usual, but you're not too far. You're in Boston, so you can probably escape. I wish. They don't let you, right? They don't they let me go. They keep you change your desk. They do. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. I think eventually it'll work out that they'll let you out. And you'll... One of these days. Yeah, exactly. All right, folks. So uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet, Ryan? Like, where are your handles and your if you're, presence? Yeah, if they're misguided enough to look for me, you can find me on Twitter at at Ryan Hager. That's R-Y-N-E-H-A-G-E-R because I spell my name funny. I kind of like the much... way you spell your name. <laughs> it's kind of unique. Yeah. It, blame my parents, not me, please. Okay, fine. You're, you're over it, are you? Yeah, well, no, I, I'll be over it when I'm dead, I think, but oh, in the meantime, well, I deal with it. That's pretty accurate right there. Yeah. Um, anyway, so follow Ryan on the various social. Check him out on Android Police. You know, I also write there sometimes, so it's like family at this point. Uh, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L, on Twitter and Instagram. That's my handle. Go to Twitter if you want to comment and discuss the podcast and correct me or have a, ask me questions about my Z Flip experience, since you know that's coming. And stay tuned for some really cool content on my YouTube channel and Instagram. Instagram is where you'll find photos of phones and photos taken with phones that I'm playing with right now. Uh, the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. You'll probably see an unboxing video and a review video of the Z Flip at some point in the next few, you know, week or two. Um, so stay tuned for that. And you know how to spell Tanker, all T-N-K-G-R-L without the vowels, just like the comic book character. So drop the vowels and there you go. And that's it for uh, for the different places. If you uh, landed on this podcast completely by accident, you're like, how do I subscribe? How do I join? This is fun. Well, please do. Um, and the way you do that is by going to mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, you'll find RSS feed there if you're old school and you want to subscribe the old school way. But we're also on all the platforms. You can look for Mobile Tech Podcasts on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify and uh, join us there and add us there. If for some reason the search doesn't pop up, add Tankerl to that TNKGRL and you'll find no problem. I'd appreciate that if you're listening and you that you review the show or uh, rate the show, depending on what platform you're listening on, that does help us a lot. And now I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Surfshark is a VPN service that makes online privacy protection easy and attainable. Surfshark encrypts all internet traffic sent to and from your devices and ensures that your IP address remains hidden to make sure nobody can see what you do online. On top of that, they block ads, trackers, malware, and phishing attempts. And unlike other VPN services, you can use it on as many devices as you'd like simultaneously. I use it when I travel to protect my privacy when I'm on open Wi-Fi hotspots. And say I want to access Netflix US when I'm in the UK. I can do that with Surfshark VPN. Another example is the other way around. Say that I'd like to see a UK show on Netflix, but I'm in the US. Well, Surfshark VPN lets me do that. So that's how I've used Surfshark VPN both while traveling and when at home. And now I'd like to share the love. I want you to try out Surfshark for yourself with my exclusive limited time deal. Click on the description below or go to surfshark.deals slash mobile tech podcast. That's surfshark.deals slash mobile tech podcast. Thanks to Surfshark VPN for sponsoring the show. And that's it, folks. Uh, stay tuned for next week. We'll have another show. Thanks, Ryan, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be on, Miriam. Absolutely. We'll have you again on the show at some point. And cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.